Good morning. What's up, LL Nation? Welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am your guy, Sean Davis at SD2 Mics, and of course, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. We're brought to you and featuring Honora Whiskey. Go to honorawhiskey.com and get some of that premium American whiskey only at honorawhiskey.com. We had a great giveaway of Fiesta Bowl tickets sponsored by Honora Whiskey on Friday. And uh, we want you to grab a bottle of that so you can sip on this big W and possible commitment that's coming on January 1st for Notre Dame. It's going to be a great day on January 1st. And uh, you see this name on the show today is Notre Dame Arise. They arrived physically out in Arizona on yesterday. Marcus Freeman met with the media 30 minutes after landing. And then as soon as he left his press conference, he went to start practice. Yes, Notre Dame got right on the practice field. Uh, Marcus Freeman is leaving no stone unturned. That's right. Preparation for this Fiesta Bowl. He said he was going to get rid of the lactic acid in this guy's legs and get things going. And they were going to put in about 90 minutes of practice. We were sad to hear about the injury to Josh Love. We'll let Marcus Freeman give you a little bit more on that. We have some clips from his press conference. He also also talked about the competition and the vibe that he's creating moving forward. We also found out who will be making the defensive calls. And his answer, I wanted to give a round of applause when I heard him say it because I felt like it was well-deserved. That person getting the opportunity to call uh, to make calls, defensive calls, in a big game like the Fiesta Bowl. Some other tidbits. Then we'll go into, yes, the, the last NFL win. See, we talked about this, bro, didn't we? Because we're the only podcast that will put the pressure where the pressure needs to be applied. We spend it different. See, That's everybody right. talks about Dale Alexander in the wide receiver room and how disappointed they are, right? Last night was a clear, clear show on Monday Night Football where that quarterback room has been in the last 12 years. So if we're going to point fingers at the wide receiver room, all I'm saying is we need to put a spotlight on that quarterback room as well. That's right. You know the last NFL win by a quarterback from Notre Dame? You know who it is? Who is he? Brady Quinn, bro. And that's when he was with the Browns, right? No, when he was with – after that, when he was with the Chiefs as uh, a backup. As a backup. Against the Panthers, bro. That's the last NFL win for a Notre Dame quarterback. And it's, and it's a shame because it, it shouldn't be like that. But then again, there's a lot that we got to discuss about that as well. Yeah, we got to dig into it. We got to dig into it. And we will nominate the New Orleans Saints offensive line for the petty train. Okay. They they did your boy dirty. They they did your boy dirty. To an extent. To an extent. Yeah. It looked like in the second half they almost just, like, gave up. I don't know if Ian pissed them off. But you know, it has to. You gotta have some intangibles. You know, you 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 gotta have. If it's not there yet, you yeah. gotta have a rallying cry. Guys gotta want to put the life on the line for you. You can't just be, you know, a a, a guy on the team yeah. anymore. So yeah. we'll talk about that. 
man, did Ian look smaller in the NFL? It just, it's like it just it's just a realization that that's what we had at Notre Dame, a, mm. a small frameish guy. I mean, he's no different than Drew Payne, Pine. You know, yeah. he, and it looks small because <laughs> them sacks, them was grown men tackling him. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what? Someone asked me in the comments yesterday after the show, uh, why do I, it seems like I prefer Nico over Dante Moore. And I said, that's not my preference. Nico is just so different than what I've seen in Notre Dame. Nico and Phil, like Phil Jakovic was that too. Big yeah. stock quarterback. We had never seen that in Notre Dame. And that's why I heard to see him go to Boston College. Nico was like, man, I could see him in the pocket just like standing there like Trevor. And I'm not calling him Trevor Lawrence. But his body is very Trevor Lawrence-like. Nice. Yeah, and then the other thing, you know, Ian still thought this was backyard football. You know, yeah. you can't run away from these guys. And it no. just – maybe no. it's because the ball was in the middle of the field. So you get you got ample opportunity and space. And dudes are closing the gap, you know, and it just – but this is the epitome of, you know – when we talked about the Notre Dame offense and where we were at that time, anybody could have played it and had some success, you know, because being the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history and then looking like, looking like what it was on Monday night, you would just be like, damn, is it even that hard to get that, that accolade? You know, usually you would reserve it for, you would think of a guy like a Joe Montana, six Super Bowls to win, that many games at Notre Dame and translate, but that's not always the case. The crazy thing is, and we've tried to tell people, we talked about the offensive line, right? And we'll get to Josh Love's injury in a moment um, and more Blake Fisher news. Notre Dame has been spoiled. Oh, yeah. That's why fans were so irate because you got what you saw was normal offensive play in college football from Notre Dame. Notre Dame has been elite along the front for so long that when they regress to the norm and what other college programs and fan bases have to deal with, we, they went crazy. They went crazy. <laughs> crazy. We, just, we we were, but what the thing is, for us to sustain greatness at the offensive line for so long, that's rare. You know, that's that's the rare part. That's why yeah. I was like for us to be upset, it's like I get it, but we really was living in a fantasy land to be able to pull that off for so long. Absolutely. And towards the middle of the season, you started to see things get better. And what have we been saying? If you're a good coach, you will win at Notre Dame. Notre yeah. Dame will attract yeah. good players. I would say the, the recruiting staff at Notre Dame over the last 12 years, I would probably grade them out at maybe a C, maybe a C plus. And you still and wait, wait. With all of that being said, wait a minute. And I'm being generous. I'm being wait, oh, generous. oh, generous. I'm being, being generous. generous. I'm being generous. Oh. You know why? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me explain. Because I'm really trying to big up the brand and 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 the university. I really am. And Not you know, see. No, no. Let me finish. <laughs> Let me finish, man. Only Notre Dame. Only at Notre Dame can you kind of have the head guy be lazy at recruiting and give a C-plus effort and still attract the type of the type of talent to migrate the fourth most 
athletes to the NFL. Think about that. And currently have the fourth most talent in the NY6 and CFP. And that's with that's with C plus effort from the head guy. But just saying with an A plus effort were what? That would be better than Alabama. Say it again. With an A plus effort would be better than Alabama. That's my that's my point. (laughs) That's my point. That's my point. That's why Notre Dame is so great. He can come in and give C plus effort from the top and still attract some of the best players in the world. Okay, what's a C plus? If we had to say a C plus, what a 79? If we had to put it on a scale from one to no, 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 no. C plus is like what? Like low 80s, right? I, I ain't never what kind of game scale y'all got. I had to get 80 84 was like a B. No, 93 to 100 was usually an A. Okay. And usually 85 to like 93 was usually a B. So low 80s was usually like a C plus. Like okay, so that's C. so that's over that's over 11 point difference in an A plus from a C plus. And so 11 point difference, are you saying that's five stars? I would think that would be five stars, right? Are you saying five stars that we didn't get there over the time? Difference makers, my brother. We're talking about the quarterback situation. Okay. The fact, well, okay. That, that okay. right there I is agree. an indictment. I'll give you a perfect example, right? I'll give you a perfect example. Like people right now in Chicago are debating whether or not to fire Ryan Pace as a GM, right? And they're pointing out how many guys, solid guys, he's gotten in the draft after the second round. Like his third, fourth, and fifth round picks turn out to be really good players and they contribute to the roster and to the team. You know why it doesn't make a difference? You chose Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. You got to go. None of that makes a difference. That's like getting the extra credit questions right on the test and doing horribly on the main part. Okay. No. The the biggest part of the team, you failed. Period. So So you got to go. And you hired Matt Nagy. You don't get to hire another coach. (laughs) There's no way you can stay. There's no way you can stay. And last night what we saw, once again, puts the spotlight on what has happened offensively and at the quarterback position at Notre Dame. And while everybody else wants to put a spotlight and talk about Dale Alexander, which we agree. We, you he can only do he can only do so much. Absolutely. He can only do so you much. talked about conversations that Chase Claypool has had, talking about what he's learned technically at the position once he got yeah. to the pros that he never learned at Notre Dame. So we understand development has been a problem. All I know is that I've seen more talent come through that wide receiver room than I've seen come through that quarterback room. Okay, that's very fair. That's a very that's fair all I'm assessment. Saying. So we're going to put a spotlight on the wide receiver room. You better put a spotlight on that quarterback room because there's some proving that needs to be done with Tommy Reese and this 2023 quarterback class as far as recruiting. Oh, yeah, 100% agree. And and it just shows through the the draft picks and how it happened because we are – Oh, and 24, we lost the last 24 games and starting NFL quarterbacks from Notre Dame. That's a shame. At least 
I mean, over 24 is pretty bad considering yeah. first round type of talent that we've had come out of the receiver room. It's not making sense because when the receivers are at Notre Dame, it's the receivers' problem, you know, and 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 not the quarterback's issue necessarily. You get to NFL, the receivers are doing great, and then it's the 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 quarterbacks is the issue. I think the the disconnect has to be the common denominator of the the, the staff, and and through many parts, because you, how do you keep putting out first round guys like Miles and EQ and all the type of talent, Chase, all the type of talent that you have. And you turn around and be like, well, you're only putting up 27 points a game, yeah. putting up, you know, 29 points in a shootout with a team that's not even ranked. Yeah. You're going the distance, you know. So, so it's like, honestly, that evaluation on the offensive side of the football, being it from a defensive perspective now, looking at Marcus Freeman not being on the offensive side, he can be more honest. You know, he doesn't have to be like Brian Kelly, who's in a tough spot because he is the offensive guy putting up this offensive craziness. So what is he going to fire himself? You know what I mean? So Marcus Freeman can be like, look, I'm over here looking outside in. As a business manager, I can just move on with no strings attached. You know right. what I mean? I don't have a connection with Tommy necessarily because he, he wasn't my player. That's right. You know, so – it's a good test run, but it also has to let's not beat around the bush and get the low hanging fruit of Dale because Dale is one of the seven or eight quarter receiver coaches that's been there too. You know, he's not like the guy that's been there the twelve years Brian Kelly's been there either. Right. Christopher Galloway says, guys, how many college players get to the NFL in is there stop bashing the kid? We didn't say anything to bash Ian Book. No one no one has said one thing about Ian Book today. Yeah, he's the winningest Notre Dame quarterback. Because of the offensive line. Flat out, and what we said, you can use Ian Book, you can use Clawson, you can use Brady. It just merely points out the ineptitude at the quarterback position when it comes to producing elite quarterbacks on the NFL level. Period. But then again, but then again, you know, Ian Book is your, your, your custodian quarterback. You know, remember, he's a fourth fourth guy on the roster. He, Did he win he at Notre there. Dame because of the talent around him? I mean, it 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 is it has to be in, in a big way. You know, obviously for what he was able to do, he held it together for as many games, which you got to give credit to. Mm -hmm. But when he was in the setting of a when everybody's good, it didn't look like he was comfortable in that situation, you know, outside of just the offensive line. I mean, it wasn't like he had any special attribute to where you would be like, okay, if he, all else fails, he's got his feet. Oh, if all else fails, he got a huge arm. If all else fails, he gets the ball out of his hands quick. He's just a, a guy, you know, and I think in the NFL, it kind of happens like that where, you know, you don't really get to hide behind too many things. If you think about it, he – they said on the broadcast many times, you got the best offensive play caller in the history of the game, arguably. Yeah. So what? I mean, how I mean, I know the <laughs> offensive line ain't that great, but if he's called if he's one of the best play callers, right, 
your talent got to come meet halfway at some point. And, you know, his ceiling isn't the highest on a talent level. So you go, I mean, that's the best you, I mean, you know, the the the, the highest ceiling that he's going to get is a Trevor Simeon and Trevor Simeon's 0-4 for the Saints right now. So I don't think there's, I think there's a difference between a guy like Huntley from Baltimore as a backup to where you're like, all right, if he don't know how to read it, whatever, he can make a play. You know, and I think it just showed that overratedness of knowing the offense or knowing football. At the end of the day, you got to go do it. And doing it and knowing it are way two different things. And you get to see the NFL get exposed when you get to the fourth, third guy on your roster because they look like just office guys. It's like you just went in the office, you was panicking, your guy went down, you was like, hey, Dude that makes copies all the time. You want to play quarterback just to get us through? You know what you're doing. You be in the meetings and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it looks like. So hopefully, I mean, but at the end of the day, you got your opportunity, man. Winning this Notre Dame quarterback of all time, you deserve a chance at the NFL at least. And you got that. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis with my guy Malik Zaire. Notre Dame arrives. They heard the Fiesta Bowl. Marcus Freeman met with the media. This is his fourth uh, dance with the Fiesta Bowl, 2006. He wasn't on the field, but he was on the sideline as a redshirt freshman. Facing Notre Dame, Brady Quinn, Darius Walker, and that crew, the Charlie Weiss out there at the Fiesta Bowl. He came back the next year, ended up losing the national championship game at the Fiesta Bowl to the Florida Gator, Chris Lee. Tim Tebow, Urban Meyer. Yeah. And, uh, yo, I thought that, that game nice. was going the other way. Because if you remember, Ted Ginn took that opening kickoff. That cat, Teddy G, took it back. And I was like, oh, Florida's in trouble. Original speed. Oh, another Ohio guy, Glenn Van stand up. And then they went back in 2009. And now he's back in 2021 um, as a head coach. So this is his fourth dance at the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, he was great yesterday. I mean, these clips we're about to show you guys. He he talked about, he was asked about, and shout out to Brian Driscoll for the question. Uh, he was asked about his practices and his, his change in the philosophy at Notre Dame as far as development of players, and this is what he had to say. Our mindset, my mindset going into this bowl, the first couple practices, maybe the first six practices was, hey, we're doing all good on good. We're doing one-on-one, ones versus ones or ones versus twos, but we're not worried about – preparing for Oklahoma State right now in terms of scheme. I want to make sure we develop our guys. And so at the end of those practices, we also had bases, which meant anybody that wasn't in the too deep or getting reps, right? We're going to scrimmage with the young guys. And so we continued that basics is what we call it. Um, those scrimmages throughout bowl practice, even as we started preparing more for Oklahoma State. And so I think you've seen development, right? I know Prince Kali has been running with the twos and, and Ryan Barnes is getting some two reps. And But all those guys, even if they're with the twos or threes, they've been getting reps. And so we're trying to develop those guys. But we're also trying to get the ones and twos better, right? And we got to make sure that this group is a competitive and is ready to, to take on this huge challenge that we have this Saturday. And so um, there's been great development of the young guys, but also to me, development of the ones and twos. You know what jumps out to me? When you put the meat in the middle of the field and you just let them go compete, the dogs come out. So you had dogs like Ryan Barnes and Prince Collie sitting on the sideline all year. All they needed was the opportunity to compete. That's it. 
Best on best. Let's see. Let's see who should be on this field. And two names popped out of his mouth immediately: Ryan Barnes and Prince Collie. Remember, well, we, we talked, we talked about, about Prince Collie though. We've been talking about Prince Collie, and you saw it. He's just thinking too much. You see the talent, but he's just thinking too much out there. Obviously, with the opportunity just to compete and one on ones and other opportunities, the cream rises to the top. Yeah, and that's and that's super exciting, you know, to see kind of the way that I think a lot of people thought it should be going in terms of just playing your best players and how to get there through being competitive. Now we did do basics when Coach Kelly was there. We had basic periods, but it was just like getting in the game with twenty seconds left. You know, nobody really paying attention. You know, you just gotta like, all right, go get your go get your play on, you know, nothing right. serious. But I think the the difference with what Marcus Freeman is doing is he's doing the one-on-ones and the competitiveness in the beginning that lasts throughout the entire practice. So you're not just uh, rotting over on the sideline watching guys go at it all day when you're not a one or a two. So being able to, like you said, to throw the, throw the meat out there in the middle and see who comes up with it is what guys really want. You know, guys want to be able to, to have the feeling that they can compete it each week to get on the field and not it just be something where they're locked in that position of a backup and can never get in because coach is so scared of losing. He only plays ones till they fall apart. You know, right. <laughs> I think with this, Marcus Freeman is giving guys ample opportunity and the coaching staff ample mm-hmm. opportunity to be talent evaluators on the team instead of just being in recruiting. Yeah, Marcus Freeman. And the tone he's setting, we talked about going to practice immediately, not wanting to miss an opportunity, you know, not leaving the stone unturned. That's something that we haven't heard a lot of at Notre Dame. For me, it was a very professional approach, you know, at Notre Dame. Like most practices were ran with respect and showing a lot of respect to the team and to the players and responsibility to know your stuff know what you're supposed to do, and let's go ahead and run through this. I don't know if that same competitive nature that we've been hearing about uh, and hearing the players talk about being different, I don't know how much of that played into going into big games and coming out flat or whether or not, you know, well, we'll see January 1st and then going into the horseshoe, how much it means to have this new competitive uh, environment at Notre Dame. But all I can say is, man, it's good to feel like something is fresh and new. Well, you got to think about it, too. It's kind of like the 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 way the program goes is based on the personality of the coach. So Absolutely. for Marcus Freeman, he's like an athlete. He's probably carrying the program or what you would think he's carrying the program like. It's like an athlete. It's like just like he get up early in the morning at 6 a.m. He's going to get his lift in. He's going to eat his three raw eggs and his protein shake on time. Yeah. He's a very routine, scheduled, and disciplined athlete. So the program is going to be routine, scheduled, and disciplined. If he's taking a flight somewhere, just like if he was going on vacation, he's going to get his lift in right off the plane. You know, that's just what regular athletes do. So I think him carrying that athlete mentality as a coach is reflecting on his players because his players can see where they're coming from. Like, okay, that makes sense because this is what an athlete would do realistically. You know, they would – they would go out there and get a quick lift in right off the plane before they go do anything fun. They'll make sure they keep practice stimulated, 
because, you know, as athletes, we can get bored pretty fast. Whereas the personality of Coach Kelly is laid back, you know, privileged in a sense where it's like, man, we know the name. We're going to roll out here, whoop their ass, and then just continue our day. We're not going to really stress that practice too hard. I already know my guys, you know. Mm -hmm. We're going to just rock with my guys. Get a, We don't really need to use all our talent up because, you know, we want to be conservative. You know, we want to just – if we need him, we'll roll a new a new guy out next man in. You know, no big deal. He can he can wait. You know, he ain't going nowhere. That was more of the Coach Kelly personality, and that's how the practice room ran. You know, we came out like we could beat any and everybody, but end up making it a game with any and everybody. So, I think this personality switch with Marcus Freeman, who's an athlete, who's like, man, we looking to whoop ass from the first play to the last play. I think you'll see that in how our team comes out from the first play to the last play. So, like you said, Ryan Barnes uh, is the second defensive back behind Cam Hart. Prince Collie is running with the twos now. And also, there was a change made for one of our favorite players, a playmaker, a guy that's very athletic, Jordan Portello. He's been moved to Rover. Marcus Freeman talked he about been, yeah. why he made that move. A move for right now. We will, um, you know, kind of dive in and see if that's the best for his future after the season. But – you know, he's able to play out there in space, be disruptive. Um, he's athletic as heck where he can cover guys man to man. But then, you know, on the perimeter screen games and, and perimeter running games, he's a disruptive factor. And so, you know, I, we looked at more so the the fact that Foskey and, and um, Justin have done such a good job at that Viper position, you know, and, and Jordan being a third Viper um, versus, hey, being able to rotate at the, the rover position, he's going to have more impact being able to be on the field a little bit more at the rover position and the impact he can make at that position. So his future is to be determined, but I know for this game that I'm excited for him to help us at the rover position. Just identify. That, just identify. Identify your talent. Find a way for it to get on the field. And that's a perfect move because Jordan Patello is not an Isaiah Fowski. You know, he's not a just a straight-up rusher, edge rusher. He's a versatile player. I always thought he could be a, a better linebacker than some of the guys we had just because he's got the size and he's got the aggressiveness. I love the, the what Marcus Freeman said as a disruptor in the space on those quick screens and outside runs because he's big enough for a slot receiver to where they can't handle him. But he also can play in space to where he can get out on those screens and make tackles instantly. So I think this is a great position um, alternative for him outside of him just being a rusher because it just limits his range. He's not like a Michael Parsons to where he's the best thing he can do is go get the ball. Jordan can do a, a little bit of uh, a few different positions and a few different things. And Marcus Freeman identifying that. And the only way he's going to be able to do that is through his practice style. You know, you probably saw him toss the man at something else and saw him do a couple of things on film that gave him a hint. And then with him being a linebacker, he probably sees a lot of these kids with himself and being like, okay, you, you could probably do this. Yeah, man, I agree. Yeah, look, I don't care who it is. It just happens to be Jordan Batella. But once again, an example of the staff, Watching, and this only comes when you allow players to compete. Mm -hmm. If you don't allow players to compete, you don't get to see certain things or identify certain things. So creating this environment really is an opportunity for the coaching staff to identify, yo, we got something here. This and is he's not coaching out of fear. 
yeah. know, he that he's looking at it like, man, I have nothing to lose. I I wouldn't, maybe not as 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 like that, but you know what I mean. I think a lot of coaches would look at it like, I'm at Notre Dame. I ain't trying to do nothing too risky, and and get exposed early on. I think Marcus Freeman being like, look, we're just gonna get a bunch of athletic dudes. Yeah. We're just gonna put it on the field, see what happens. In a in a in a football way, it's like we have a method to the madness, but. I know it looks a little crazy. We got a lot of guys shifting and going different sides of the ball, but it's going to work. And I think that's the the free creative mind you need in a in a transition from having a coach for twelve years and going to something more fresh. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis. Got my guy, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. Don't forget subscribe, share, like, especially hit that like button. Like if you're watching right now. Hit that like button, man. We spin it different right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We're talking about Marcus Freeman, his press conference. We do have a super chat, and we want to thank you, Matt, 2011 GT, for the super chat. Poor Ian looked like Lil Mac from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Doing his best. <laughs> Johnny Mazel. That Lil Mac. That's dude. Mike Tyson Punch Out still might be, like, one of my favorite all-time video games, bro. Yeah, 100%. Just because like, of who it is. Like the advancement of technology? That's top five. You can play through classic time. Dude, I will put Mike Tyson's Punch Out and Super Tecmo Bowl in my top five. You love Tecmo. They got a, they, okay, so on the, on your, they got an app called Retro Bowl. You should download it. It looks just like it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Retro yeah, Bowl. Super, download Super it. Tecmo Bowl was it. That was it. That's cool. You, you yeah. get Bo Jackson, it's a wrap. I don't care if you call my play, you choose my play. I'm still running around the corner on you. <laughs> Let's get yeah. it. So Marcus Freeman went on to talk about perfect segue, competition. And when you're in competition, man, unfortunate things happen. And, and during the 11 on 11, um, we found out that Josh Love injured his, uh, his right meniscus. And uh, Marcus Freeman gave us an update on how that happened and uh, what's going to happen moving forward. We're in an 11 on 11 situation and he kind of just planned it the wrong way. It was a it is a, a minor um, meniscus tear, but he's had it for a while. And I think when he planted it, it kind of flipped the meniscus a little bit more where, you know what, we said, hey, we're going to have to get this thing fixed right away. And so he's had it throughout the season and he's been able to fight through it. And then I think just when he planted it the wrong way, I think a part of that meniscus flipped up and they had to go and clean it right away. So, man, shout out to Josh Love for playing through that all season and solidifying that right side of right tackle number one. But the fact that Blake Fisher is going to be starting at the right tackle, you talked about the important short-term and long-term on yesterday for Blake Fisher to get back on the field before he hits the offseason and what that means. And to have that depth at tackle and a talent like Blake Fisher ready to back up Josh Love makes you feel a bit more – if this injury had come up and we didn't have Josh Love, I mean, we didn't have Blake Fisher, I don't know how you would feel going into this game, but you have to feel much better knowing that the guy that started at left tackle as a true freshman is going to be playing at right tackle, even if it's his first game back. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a guy that you can call on with a talent like that. You know, we just happen to have a guy in the cabinet that's a superstar talent potentially at that position as well. I do concern myself with the fact that we missing Kyron Williams and he was the, the, 
the invisible force behind our offense all Let's year. Up, yeah. And to not have him at all due to him not, you know, thank goodness not because of injury, just because he's sitting out. But not having him in the offense in general, I think it's going to create a challenge that we're not paying attention to as much just yet, even with the, the amount of ability and talent we have in the running back as a replacement. Yeah, he's the he's the call on guy though. You know, he's been the guy that has been most comfortable for our quarterbacks, at least to when all else goes crazy, they can turn around and hand it off, or they can dump it down to him. So, I think uh, all eyes are more focused on how the quarterback is going to manage it, because now the receivers are more dependent on the quarterbacks. The running backs, being young, are more dependent on the quarterbacks, especially in pass protection. So we're going to see how that plays out, but. You know, having the offensive line still being solid with Blake Fisher up there, I know we got a chance. Yeah, man, you know, the offensive line, how would you grade, even though it was against inferior competition compared to the some of the defenses they faced in the first half? Purdue was a good defense. Wisconsin was a defense. Of course, Cincinnati was a solid defense. On the backside, the defenses, once they got to the ACC teams like Virginia, and Navy, the defenses weren't as stout. So would you be more – do you think the improvement in the O-line was more about the schedule shifting or more about them just getting more time and actually getting better? Yeah, it's just a, a, a molding process it takes for the offensive line, especially being young. Just figuring out the, the kinks of live action is one thing to know it on paper and know it in practice, but it takes a few game reps – and experience and and when the bullets start flying for guys to really get adjusted and just kind of gauge what's what you can get away with and what you can't Mm -hmm. and for all line to be uh progressively evolving week to week and not regressing i think it shows the maturity of those guys and and where they're looking towards in the future and how good they really want to be once they get in sync and then when you bring in um the difference maker of Harry, he's staying to solidify that group yeah, and continue them on a good track with good habits and technique. I think you'll find yourself back in a position we were building a factory alignment like we were before. Shout out to Gabriel Dotson this morning. Thanks for chiming in, tagging in with us. People are picking a close game Saturday. I'll be there. Shout out to you. Bring the noise. But why? The Marcus Freeman effect is real. I think ND blows OSU the F out. I mean, I hope, shoot, I hope we blow them out, but it would just, we would have to just be playing amazing, mainly on defense, because I think if we're giving up a bunch of points, I don't know if we're, I haven't seen us in a, in a, in a little bit, so I don't know if we're hitting on all cylinders to be putting up 45 points like we did against Wisconsin. But I hope we blow them out. You know, I think, if anything, we'll learn a lot about ourselves transitioning from a guy like a Kyron Williams. And, blow and a 14, you know. Blowout, I, look, I've said it, I, I've always thought it would be a double-digit win. You know, especially after watching the Big 12 championship game, I just thought it would be a double-digit win. Especially, what do you consider? What do you consider like a eleven point or like a twenty eight point double? Well, digits? I mean, double digits is like ten and above, bro. I mean, right, but you know, it's a dick. Like a blowout <laughs> is like twenty eight points. 
No, I'm just saying I've said it's going to be a double-digit win. I blow out. If, if they win 34-24, I'm good. Okay. okay. If they win 27-17, I'm good. So okay. when Gabriel says a blowout, I don't know what constitutes a blowout for him. Right. Right. Like it might be 21 points. 21, 21 is put down the sticks in Madden, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Are we beating? You said beating them by 21, 28 points. I don't know. <laughs> well, see, that's the blowout. The blowout won't be on the defense. The blowout is all about the offense. Yeah, 100. percent But the defense got to keep it close. If we we not blowing them out, no, like 58 to no Wake Forest, North Carolina, 58, 56 or something like that. We ain't doing that. Well, if Notre Dame gets if Notre Dame gets into the 30s, it's a blowout. Yeah, if we hold them to under 15, yeah. Oh, but Notre Dame hasn't really allowed anybody to score 20 points. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we hold them. That's what I'm saying. So the defense got to hold them to a certain they average. And then we got to be – Michael Mayer got to have at least 10 catches like last night on Monday Night Football. He got to have Jalen Waddle 10 catches from every position on the field. And then Kevin Austin got to, you know, one hand some stuff like <laughs> – we got to go crazy. Yeah, so Marcus Freeman said he spent his entire time on the flight watching film, and he talked about how much he respects Oklahoma State and how difficult they may be as an opponent. I'm so impressed with how hard they play from every position, but especially their front four. They play extremely hard. They're relentless, um, and they 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 tackle and they pursue to the ball well. And so it's going to be a huge challenge. And the challenge isn't going to be schematically. It's going to be to match their intensity and their uh, the the physicality they play with. Can I say something right quick? Marcus Freeman just told you, man, it's this girl I want you to meet. She got a really good personality. She's really fun to be around. That's what he just said about Oklahoma State, man. Right. <laughs> That's what he just said. You know how your boy tried to set you up on a blind date? Oh, and okay. Like, man, once you to go out with me and my girl, man, go out with one of her friends. Like, how she look? Man, she real nice. She real okay. nice. Man, she got a really good personality. Like, how she look, bro? I'm telling you, man, she's really nice. <laughs> Marcus Freeman just said about Oklahoma State. They okay. play really hard. They play yeah, really yeah. hard, and we just gonna have to match their intensity and their physicality. What about oh, their being nice? You know. What about their talent, though? Yeah. What about their yeah. speed, though? But but she happens to be three hundred pounds. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about that speed, though? Y'all understand what Marcus Freeman just said? Marcus Freeman you said watched that film. You said read between the lines. You said read between the lines. Okay. Marcus Freeman was watching that film like, oh word. <laughs> Yeah, they, they play really hard. Yeah. Really? They play hard? Okay. I mean, that's, yeah, super big. Super big. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, he's definitely he's definitely got the right coach. The sound just dropped. Oh, you hear me now? Yeah. He's definitely got the right coach speak. He ain't going to tell him probably how he really feels about him. But he did make a point that I think is what we talk about every day. Yeah. He got to come out with the intensity. Maybe it's reverse psychology. Maybe he's really talking to our team, yeah. saying, look, if we don't come out like with our hair on fire now, it's going to be a hard game. So he was really talking to Notre Dame through talking Oklahoma State because he really don't believe playing hard is something you can look on film and be like, 
that's gonna be your problem. Because how do you, how do you even if we play hard? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I think he's really saying, look, if we don't come out with an attitude like y'all playing for the black man over here or Daytonian, <laughs> then 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 it's gonna be a tough game, you know. And I think that think that's respectable. I think that's respectable. Now they are a physical front, and I've said before that front four reminds me of the same front four, or very similar to the 2012 front four that Notre Dame had, right? Not particularly very fast coming off the edge, but just big and physical up front, physical edges with Prince and Capron uh, on the edge, and then you had the big boys Lewis to it on the inside. So big, physical, but hey. You have to – Alabama took the challenge of saying, you know, yeah, you're big and physical, but guess what? We're still going to run this ball at you. <laughs> yeah. We're still going to run this ball at you. you. You're not about to just set the tone. We're not about to run from you because you're big and physical. And not I'm looking forward to seeing if Notre Dame can, like, you know, enforce their will on this big physical defensive line and just wear them down. and just If we can't man. enforce our will on a Big 12 team running the football, man – it's a lot of things we're gonna to have to correct if we want to get go against Ohio State next year. I mean, good grief! When have you ever heard of a Big Twelve team being stout in the run game defensively? Well, look once again. I've said this. We ran the ball against Wisconsin really well. I wouldn't say really well. Well enough. I mean, what what's Wisconsin giving up on average in the run game? I think we hit their average a little bit above. Bro, I, I think you might be thinking about a different game. <laughs> Notre Dame did not run the ball well. <laughs> Guess we didn't run over them. We had at least 100, though, right? I'm pretty sure we had at least 100. Dude, Notre Dame had three yards rushing, dude. <laughs> We didn't have no run. Run. Yeah, I must have. I must have yeah, you're thinking about a whole other game. I, I knew that game. They had three yards rushing on third. Now, that was because of a lot of the sacks that Jack Cohn took. Okay. Kyron was getting blasted. Kyron was getting blasted that game. <laughs> he was getting blasted. So, nah, it wasn't a Wisconsin game. I don't know what game you might be thinking of, but it wasn't Wisconsin. I can tell you that. See, but that's what I was saying. But that's that was our guy. You know what I mean? And to not have that and go against – I mean, it's, I just wanted to know, is their defensive line hey, like that? Your, your boy Pierre said you in that Honora early. Bro. I, I swear to God, I thought, I thought we had a best, better wow. rushing performance than three yards, though. That's no, me. or an average of .1. <laughs> I, mean, I'm, I mean, those are the stats. <laughs> and that's what you call finding a way to win because if we had that against anybody else I don't know how we coming out with victory that's crazy right you look back at that game you look back at the depth of struggles from this offense and where they reside right now I don't care how physical that Oklahoma State front is you have to feel like they haven't seen anybody like us Right, right, right. And and that's the thing, too, is that I think they're 
more heavily thinking about what we're going to do than we're thinking about them. I don't think if we interview their their head coach, they're saying, oh, we play hard. I think he's going to give you something more specific on what they are looking forward to trying to meet as a challenge. Like maybe say Michael Mayer presents an opportunity to doubling. Uh, they got some really good guys on defensive that fly around. You know, maybe something from a scheme standpoint, but I don't think that uh, their head coach would share the same sentiments that our head coach did on us just playing hard. <laughs> Yo, this is crazy, and I forgot to mention this yesterday. I was supposed to bring this up on yesterday's show. Mike Gundy, I, I wish I had the clip. He was asked about finding out that they were facing Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. And his exact response to that question was, I was hoping that we would face them because it would really give us or expose us to the rest of the country. Like, word? Like, fam, I mean, but know? that's duh. Everybody says that against us. It's like. You don't want to talk about football and like, man, we really want to face them and see how good we really are. It's like, man, we get to expose the football program a little bit more. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Yeah, but that's, I mean, but for us to to be, for him to be saying that about us just shows that on their own, even when they're good, they don't get any recognition. You know what I mean? So. That's why I said they're thinking way more about us than we are about them because we, that's what I'm saying. Marcus Freeman and being like playing Oklahoma State will allow us to feel confident moving forward in this Marcus Freeman era. He's like, man, it's a good team, I guess, and we're going to see what they got. They're saying this is a chance to take us national. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's almost like, okay, do these guys really want to be here? But that's why we say every time teams play us like it's a Super Bowl. It don't right. matter if it's Oklahoma State or Toledo. Everybody right. in between, they're gonna play us like this is the <laughs> this is uh the Friday night lights where they gotta give a crazy speech before yeah, you know, Jamie Foxx Al Pacino speech right before we go out there. <laughs> Longest yard, you know, whatever. <laughs> so the question, the, the question most people have been asking Marcus Freeman every time he met with the media is who's going to make the calls, who's going to call the plays during the Fiesta Bowl. And uh, he answered that question yesterday. And, you know, at the end, we can all give a big round of applause, man, to who he's decided to give that opportunity to in the Fiesta Bowl. Right now, the plan is for Elston to have a lead role, Mike Elston, to have a lead role in terms of who's making the majority of the calls uh, on game day. Now, we're going to work hand in hand like we've done all year. I'm going to be right there with them. We're going to go back and forth and be able to throw ideas off of each other. But the game plan, we've game planned as a group. Um, we've we've kind of put the game plan in as a group, but he'll be the one on Saturday making the majority of the calls. Um, but again, I, I think it's best for the group because of, He's had more time in the D staff, not just him, but Mike Mickens and Chris O'Leary. They've had more time to just strictly prepare for Oklahoma State's offense. And I would be doing a disservice to our defense if I said, nope, we're doing exactly what I say. I'm the one that's going to call it. I'm the one that's going to do it because I haven't 
had as much time to prepare for Oklahoma State's offense as those guys have. And so I think this gives our group a better opportunity to have success. That's why I made this decision is that, hey, these guys have spent more time preparing for Oklahoma State than I have in terms of just our defense versus our offense. So let's let those guys, those individuals, and specifically Mike Elson, have the opportunity to call it. And, and again, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to make sure to be, hey, if I want something, I'm going to say, hey, let's do this. If I don't like something, I'll interject, say, let's do this. But he will be the primary play caller uh, for this game. Yo, big up. Shout out to Mike Elston. Much deserved. Like all the work he's put in at Notre Dame, the elite recruiter he's been, the way he's developed people along and young men along that defensive line. Shout out to Mike Elson getting this opportunity. And before we dig in a little bit, little side note. Hey, man, is core, how's that core while you ever tasted that core drink that Marcus Freeman had on the table? Oh, I see water. People, yeah, I've seen people with it all the time, but I've never tasted it. It's like a fancy Dasani, man. It's all the same. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what we're paying for. <laughs> a fancy Dasani. Because you got to think, if it was some real good water, you wouldn't be able to get it at no gas station, man. So, it's not like clearly Canadian then. You know, the, the Fiji water is not even from Fiji, man. You know that? Of course. It's just a name that they put on the That's front. That's what I'm saying. So you can't trust none of these names. on these. Oh, man. <laughs> but I, I do like that the move Coach Freeman made. I think it was just a very honest moment. I don't think he would say he should say that moving forward, that he ain't prepared as much as the other guy. I told you he's very <laughs> Parent, and I think he's going as he's getting going through the coaching. I think he's going to be less and less more of a hands off when it comes to the defensive side. But early on, you know, I think he's just trying to get everybody included and you know get everybody at a good place just to get through the rest of the season, so he can he can go into the off season with a clear head as opposed to creating little fires before he gets to anything serious on a coaching standpoint, he has to make. I think these are a lot of easy calls for him because he's not thinking about his pride and his ego as much, yeah. which is which is real good for a, a guy who's, like you said, too honest at some at some times, man. You know, hey, you can't be too honest. You know, you got to sometimes do it different. But, you know, going back to thinking about how we are, we're just like a Drake feature. You know what I mean? Like everybody – wants a Drake feature to blow up. Do they? And I think, huh? Do they? Yeah. That, I mean, Mike Gundy said it. We're Drake to Mike Gundy. We, he wants a feature from us. Because if we get a feature from us, they can, they can get recognized on, on, some, on a, on a I level. Thought, you know? I thought Lil Baby was like the big feature right now. Yeah, for certain people. You know, for a certain demographic. I don't think, I think Drake would benefit a Adriana Grande more than okay. a little baby would. Oh, you're talking about something like melodic. Okay. No, just a feature in general. Who would I think if I had a Drake feature right now, I'd make the top, crack that top 100. Top 100 on what chart? The on Canadian Billboard. Charts? No, on Billboard. <laughs> you know, Drake gonna shoot me up at least 50 spots. At so, least. man, at yo, least. this is what I'm talking about, right? Because we're gonna have an end of the year show. It's gonna be a big show coming up this Thursday, right? We're going to have our best of. We're going to have our top five moments from the season, right? We're going to run down the, the tens and grade them from, like, ten all the way down to one, like, worst game of the season. And then we're going to have, like, feature 
other year, song of the year. We're going to go through it all. All right, cool. I'm just saying three stacks already has my feature of the year. That's because you ain't heard him in a while. He ain't, he, you know. No, it's because he's three it's a stacks. Legendary, it's a legendary ask at this point. It but you know why I wouldn't give him that? Because I saw this man sitting outside the grocery store. Playing, yeah, playing playing the little flute or clarinet or something like. I can't get that man no feature of the year off the seeing that he was playing for free a couple weeks ago. So I don't know, dude. He was out in front of the store like laying on girlfriends, dude. Out of ear one, I tell you the story. Ear one grocery store, really good grocery store. You gotta go get their hot fresh food, but he was out in the front. Nobody noticed him because he didn't look like Andre Three Stacks. He looked like, you know. One of the people in LA. <laughs> and and I'm the only one looking at him like, is that? Tell nobody else see this. Yeah, I'm like, what's up? Like, you, you know. <laughs> and he was like, he was cool, but he also, you know, you would have thought people was throwing change at him at this at one point. So <laughs> I don't know. Stacks. Lucky Lefty Podcast right here. So that's Thursday. We're gonna have our end of the year show. And have fun with it, man, and really uh, give our predictions on the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know if I'm predicting a blowout, but I have to think about it. I have to think about it because it's all about the start for me. Yeah, that's all I care. If it starts fast, it's a wrap. It's a wrap because then you make Spencer Sanders one-dimensional, and that's that's not gonna go well for Oklahoma State. Let's get to some of these questions, man. These comments, I got Alan Chris said, I still drink tap water. Water is H2O. Man, you can't trust nothing on this water. These days. <laughs> Dude, I live too close to Flint. Yeah, you 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 you, you had to you had to stare at it for a little bit, make sure nothing else moving in it for you. Like, All right, it's good. Man, I live too close to Flint, Michigan, man. I have to make I have to make smart wise decisions, man. I go for the bottle every now and then. And see, in my household, bro, it's always an argument uh, whether you get purified water or spring water. Like I'm a spring water dude, and, and and everybody else in my family they love the purified water. The purified water just has a a different taste. That I, I just can't handle. I believe spring water is the way to go as well. It's the cook. In Kangen water, if you really want to dive into some good water, get you some Kangen water. It's ionized for us to be able to actually get hydrated from it. You should check it out. It's a pretty expensive machine, but it's something that you should really look into. Kangen water. Now, it's purified water. I mean, it just, you got to go through a chemical process for some water. I'm not a big fan of it. So I, I agree. It's a different taste, something that I don't really recommend. But, you know, I try to get as close to the spring as possible. Yeah, see people getting deep with it. And spring water is literally tap water. At least it's treated. Like I, we know that, dude. I remember when water first started being sold. I was in high school, and I thought, oh wait a minute, wait a minute. Saying, you said water was being oh you dude. Like <laughs> I was there at the inception of when water started popping up in like gas stations being sold. Oh I really? Forget, yeah, I was in high school, and I'm like, man, who's about to buy a bottle of water? I'm swear like, to God. Swear to God. Swear to God, dude. Wow. We used to so, go across the street for lunch every day 
they had the big grab bag 99 cent Dorito bags, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we would get the grab bag Dorito bags, and then we would walk over to the, uh, the nacho machine and pour the hot cheese on top of the Doritos. It's straight up. And put the hot peppers in there. So we had like a big nacho. Yeah. Like our own self-made nacho. And I remember looking in the cooler one day, and I'm like, yo, they're actually selling water? You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, this is the craziest thing in the world. Oh, like it was really like the first time seeing it was like yeah. water. And yeah. You're like, damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, how like, did you drink water before? Like all the time on the go. Oh, I mean, when you're in high you school, like, it. it's always pop machines, bro. It's always pop machines. I was like, man, I was drinking like four Minute Maid oranges a day. So, so, so back to so investing in, in, uh, in vending machines was the way to go back then. And, and and look, just the in practice, we would come out of the gym, or run off the field, and they would have like a big cooler of water, you know, what I'm ready for us. Or we would come out the gym and just take a squig at the little cooler in the hallway. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like literally. My high school years were literally like the first time you started to see bottled water. Who was the who was the company? The first one I saw was Coca-Cola, but it wasn't Dasani at the time. I forget the name. So Coca-Cola was selling water too. Wow, wow. Yeah, because it was the Coke products, and eventually we saw it across the street, and eventually they ended up putting it in the vending machine. So yeah. So that's Damn. the world. Literally, the world was changing right before our eyes, and we never knew, or I could never fathom that you would have like all these electrolyte waters and all these different type of waters to drink from. You know, my mother. Yeah, you was like you was like the uh, purifier was like a whole thing for you. Yeah. So wow. I mean, dude, we went and got a Tahiti treat. Oh yeah, that's hey, that's class. They don't know about the Tahiti tree. They don't, they look, 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 you talking? You talking about some secret, secret snacks? Man, that's a Tahiti tree was fire. It's still fire. And then I think right after that, clearly Canadian popped in, and you start seeing clearly Canadian blackberry, strawberry, peach. I still rock with the peach, and yeah, it was like a different thing, you know. So yeah. The fact that we have all these different options for water right now, and my water, I don't like it cold. I need my water to be room temperature. Let's get to some of your comments. Let's see. Coleman Clark, I won't drink Philadelphia water, spring water all day. All right. Alan Krentz, you're right about Flint, Michigan. Yeah, that Flint, Michigan story, like, still messes with me. The water still isn't right. That's what I'm saying. Hot summer day, playing outside with your friends and whatnot, hit that hose. Absolutely. Like, it was like the side of somebody's house, turn the hose on, you know what I'm saying? Hit that finger, get you a nice little stream, bang. But the kid, the kids, I mean, the kids don't even do that these days. It's they hard to get them outside for real. They don't know how to live then. They don't know how to live. You got kids, you know, outside carrying uh, bottles of the sun to the park. And the sonic oh, damn near, I'd rather drink the water uh, 
over here. If I had to be exquisite, you know, I got my glasses of water. I like my uh, my boss. <laughs> Eugene Williams said, "Listen now, don't get me started on that Tahitian treat, man. Look, Drake even man, Drake even talked about it. Drake even talked about it, right?" Like he would go to the corner store for that Tahitian treat. You had to. You had to, man. Tahitian treat back then was like what? 35 cent in the can? Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yeah. You might need to pop back in and out of the studio. D-Rock, that away, Sean. I don't know what I did. Uh, hopefully, it's about the conversation about the water. I was talking about room temperature over uh, ice cold water. I can't do ice cold water. D-Rock Irish is crazy, man. He said Gatorade is 1% molecule of piss. <laughs> I can't deal with you. I still hit that garden hose after a hard day of mowing Sean Paulus. Yo, real talk. It is what it is, man. That's some of the best water ever. Gene Williams season tree with 50 cent at the gas station. Yeah. It was around that. I think he got up to that. I don't know how old you are, Eugene. I might be a little bit ahead of you, but it was definitely like in that 40 cent range, you know, up to that 40 cent, 50 cent range. So what no, we're talking about that Tahitian tree at the corner store. See, those are the legendary things that they they gotta like the frosted oatmeal cookies and the Tahitian treat. You talking about a combo that can last you through supper, you know? Yeah. At the time, you gotta get to dinner. You know right. I mean? There was a big gap between when you first ate in the morning and that dinner time. So that was Tahitian treat time, definitely. You like I said, I told him when you checked out for a second, that can't even Drake rapped about it in Western Road Flow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said, "Man." He talked about going to that corner store for that Tahitian treat, dude. Now I wonder, I do wonder if the training table thinking about food. I wonder if the training table for Notre Dame has increased. I wonder if Marcus Freeman has brought in his Dayton culture classics oh, to give to the team during training table because uh, you know, you gotta eat right if you want to play the right ways too. David Jones giving us the breakdown. If it is not getting into your cells, especially muscle cells for athletes, it doesn't matter what type of water beverage it is. Muscles are 75% water. Man, all I know is I did a poor job as an athlete when I was younger drinking water. Man, I had the most sugar in my system, bro. <laughs> but, but but they didn't really tell you the Nobody told water us. at the time. Right. They're not telling you, like, oh, you got to drink your water. It was just like, man, you're thirsty. Gatorade. <laughs> Pop, soda, juice. They, they actually said Gatorade the worst for you. I know. I know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. And shout out to you, Alan Prince, for your service, man. We appreciate you. He said in Iraq, all we had was bottled water, not springs in the desert. Thank you for your service and glad that you're still with us. Man, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Eugene Williams, what is, oh man, what is this? You know what pissed me off back in the day when they discontinued Ecto Cooler? What is the Ecto Cooler? What is the Ecto Cooler, man? I'm not oh, up on man, that. You done, you done dropped some ancient 
ancient man. water history on us, man. We don't know the ecto cooler. <laughs> oh, high C. That was a high C drink. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, you know what? Yo, so this is crazy. Speaking of drinks, like you have a drink and you're upset because you don't know what they put in it. Mm, like there's, a drink, drink. there's a drink called Sunrise at Roscoe's. <laughs> half, half red, half, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And I'm mad because I can't recreate it, bro. I can't recreate There's it. nothing we can. I ask them every time. I'm like, I get the sunset. I get the right. sunset because it's okay. a little different. But right, right. That I don't know how they be able to make it split like that. Okay. You know how did how did they get the split? Because you know how they I got the, And then it, you got to mix it because if you let it sit, it'll just stay there like that. Facts. You got. I'm like, what kind of what kind of witchcraft? <laughs> Science experiment, but it, you talking about one that you can't have too many now, but you, you get one every once in a while and do you right. Yo, before we get to our uh, special guest we have coming on in a minute, let's see, bro. I should have done this earlier. Uh-oh. I should have done this earlier, man, and been prepared. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it. Oh, we gotta get on our petty. We gotta get, get on our petty. petty. We gotta get on the petty. Oh man. Oh man. But go ahead and talk about how, man. What do you think? Uh, moving forward, ultimately, how this is going to propel Notre Dame, the way they're preparing, how it's going to propel Notre Dame into the recruiting season and in 2022. Man, I honestly think this game tells a lot in terms of how recruiting is going for, for the guys mm-hmm. that have made those commitments to Marcus Freeman early to be like, okay, this is why I committed. I can see the writing on the wall. I think this win is more important for what moving forward would mean for recruiting and even the program just to feel good about the hire. I know it's very premature to be thinking this is the right hire or not after the first game, but it's what you want to have and what you want to see in the ideal world for a new head coach that you're so excited about. You definitely want to see that, but I also want to see the trend go different ways for the receiver room and the quarterback room. What happened on Monday night is inexcusable because I felt like we should have a better uh, result from what Ian was being able to do. That's the winningest Notre Dame quarterback of all time. So that means a lot. And to go out there and look like, man, like, yeah, there was a lot of factors that were going on. But, I mean, throwing a pick six is throwing a pick six. You know what I mean? That's your yeah, own fault. You know what I mean? And even him going 12 for 20 for 135, that just encapsulates how he had at Notre Dame. It was just empty calories. It felt like it wasn't like you were a bad quarterback. But it's just – it's not over the hump that you would want when you're talking about winning games like that. I mean, it was a tough spot to be in. You're in a playoff situation. You right. know what I mean? But if you think of guys like Jalen Hurts, who they call for his job every other day, you know? right. <laughs> he's able – in his first game against the Saints, was able to pull off a, a great victory, and that and him was just making plays happen. And I think that's just where 
the NFL should go in terms of backups. Get guys that can make something happen. You know, the whole heady, you got to know the whole offense thing is kind of overrated right. because the guys that we keep seeing that supposedly know everything play less, you know, more inept to play. So I think that uh, hopefully he gets another chance at it. But it's the same thing as I felt like Ben DiNucci. Like, how's Ben DiNucci starting for the, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, best sports franchise in, in all of sports? Right. It happens like that. But shout out to the fact that you get to that po- at that place and it just shows you how hard it is in the NFL, man. You, you got to really be on your P's and Q's and kind of get lucky. All right, let's do it. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic? Coming up on the other side of Petticoat Junction, special guest, former Notre Dame defensive lineman Ron Jones will be joining us to stick around, but right now it is Petticoat Junction, Petty's story of the day. I nominate the New Orleans Saints offensive line. <laughs> but how petty they were to our guy Ian Book last night, man. He took a pummeling at the hands of the Miami Dolphins, and uh, that just wasn't right, man. It wasn't right, bro. They, they, especially in the second half, it's almost like they just gave up. They just opened up the door. I'm just like, man, go ahead and pound them. I, yo, I had to put them on the petty train. Had to. It's petty because it's like, hey, you would think that you would give a better performance when you don't get a chance to play through the whole season. Yeah. And But then again, when you blocking those type of guys that the Miami Dolphins had, yeah, that's a hard day for anybody. Oh, right. <laughs> right. So, but it's petty that they gave up eight sacks. It's like, dang, come on, help you, help your guy out. He's just getting his feet wet. He's just getting his feet wet. And I would like to nominate one Iman Shumpert, Chicago's own. I give him a credit, even though he stays in the suburbs or grew up in the suburbs. It was really like. Annex to the west side, so I'll give him a little credit. On Bootleg Kev podcast, he said that uh, LeBron James ruined basketball. Yeah. And, and I agree, but more than ruining basketball, I think LeBron James made the average fan really feel like they knew what the heck they were talking about when it came to basketball. Like it's because of LeBron James that we have all of these 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 uh I won't even call them geeks, these dorks. Sport <laughs> dorks. Right? Because and this irritates me, bro. Like, and people in the chat might disagree. It irritates me like we're about to have Jerron on. Right? And I'm literally gonna let you and Jerron flow because you guys played the game. 
I'm not about to sit up here and act like I know just as much as you all know about the game. Oh my gosh, here we go. Well, I didn't play the game. And I was always taught when you're in a room, it's best to listen. Because if you listen, you'll learn something. Right? That's fair. Man, and I just think now we got a world full of people because of social media that want to act like they know the game, they never played the game, but just because they can regurgitate some terms they heard on TV Ooh. and throw out some sabermetrics and some uh, some numbers. Ooh. I, I'm not with that, man. I'll, you know, just be so honest you enough, you to, say, honest enough to say you're giving your opinion. That's it. <laughs> when you're among athletes that have actually done it, you know, it might be wise to listen to say, you know, let me listen to them and really learn what the game is all about. That's yeah, I feel all like this is a little biased, though, because I feel like you, you think that this whole Jordan and LeBron conversation has came up because of LeBron and it's no, got no, no, people no. sounding like they no. know what they talk about. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying, man. You start like LeBron ushered in the era of the hot take. <laughs> okay, that's fair. He ushered in the era of the hot take. I will say that. I'll leave it at that. He ushered in the era of the hot take, and because of that, man, you know. I mean, they still give the hot takes on Brian today. We just have to deal with it, bro. Let's welcome <laughs> in to the Lucky Lefty Podcast, former Notre Dame defensive lineman and hopefully soon-to-be friend of the program for a long time. NFL player Jerron Jones, welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast, my brother. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, man? How y'all doing? Wonderful. wonderful. We've been talking about Marcus Freeman and uh, this environment that he's created, where we basically just kind of say, you know, one on ones and competition each and every day. He's putting the stake in the middle of the field and letting the dogs go compete and see who comes up with it. And in that type of environment, he's able to identify talent and other attributes to say, we need to get the best guys on the field. For you, you came to Notre Dame as an offensive lineman, and then it was identified that you might be better for the team on the defensive side of the ball. Just talk about that transition and then going back to the offensive side of the ball when you got to the next level. Is it difficult to do that, or is it really just about going – where you're best needed and where you're best fitted and suited? Uh, for me, actually, I mean, I mean, I just did the switch when I got to the league. I mean, Notre Dame recruited me the whole time as a D lineman because I kind of said early in my recruitment that I didn't want to be an O lineman. Looking back on it, it was kind of a dumb decision. <laughs> yeah, you skipped that on. He stands about four years. I did. I did. And I wish I. And, you know, looking, if I was thinking career-wise, you know, that would probably be something I wanted to do. But, you know, I just love playing defense. You know, I just love the knack of going after the ball, you know, tackling the, you know, you grew up playing shooting my bust them up. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, it's just just straight natural instincts. So, (laughs) for me, when I got to the league and once I switched over, it was kind of like going back to college all over again because I had to start from scratch of learning the things that guys in that position would normally learn in college. I had to start from the basics. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was a tough four years, you know, just trying to pick up a playbook and then also trying to block 
a dude on the other side of me who runs a four or five off the edge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know, you know, you just learn to be a quick learner. You learn to adapt. You learn to, you just learn to fight to survive out there. And you know, once you kind of get in that mode of competing, and you know, like you said, how Coach Freeman is creating that that atmosphere of you know, let the dogs eat. You know, that one on one competition. You know, that's what the league is pretty much all about. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that's the importance of, you know, in some ways, if you're going to get more reps on in preseason, then if you're not going to get more reps in preseason, or if, you know, you make the roster or get that extra special teams rep that, you know, can give you a chance to make one more play than the competition that you're going against to make roster spots. Because, you know, there's 90 guys in the preseason and, you know, it, it goes on to 53. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, you got to create that atmosphere. And, you know, for guys to learn that in college rather than, you know, try to adjust to it in the league, there's no – I feel like there's no acclimatization period where during Kelly's era we had that time where, like, no, nah, like, looking back when I wish you threw us into the fire, you know, that's the only way we got better. You know, those times when all those – think about the year where 2014 where we're – where we started out seven and zero, you know we we got we're, we're a healthy team, and then after that we suffer a lot of injuries. And you look at USC game at the end of the season, we're getting blown out by USC. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. After the same year, we shut out Michigan. We get blown out by USC at the end of the season, and not not to throw shade at the program or nothing like that, but like it was just for our freshmen and sophomores that got thrown into the fire during that game, they weren't ready, but it, it got them better. You know what I'm saying? Getting those live bullets. Because look at that. Look at from that loss in 2014 and going into 2015, we were looked at as a playoff team because we had so much depth because, you know, we had guys that got thrown into the fire, you know, that got put in these live competition periods. And, you know, guys were ready. You know, it was like, you know, everybody's job was up for grabs going into 2015. I know we had a lot of seniors and stuff, but straight up. Nobody's, nobody's job was – you know, nah, locked that, down. Not that yeah, like, like, like that, like that, like that was a crucial camp that year. Oh like, man! You know what I'm saying? Oh man! Everybody was good that year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, we we had a lot of talent in a lot of different areas. So, you know, I feel like for him to create this atmosphere at Notre Dame, I feel like looking into next year. This this game is big because going into next year, I think we should be champ- national championship or bust. Just That's the right. talent we got, you know, just the young cats we got, and you know. <laughs> all the injuries we suffered upon the O-line, you know, all those guys having to step in and get those live bullets, you know, everybody's going to be ready. Everybody's going to be feeling like they're ready to play in the game going into next year. So I feel like, you know, we'll fare better in competition because, like, that Ohio State game, I ain't going to lie. Like, it's going to tell a lot. (laughs) It's going to tell a lot. You know, I feel a lot better going into Ohio State with Freeman as head coach than Kelly. See, and that and he ain't even and coach and coach Freeman ain't even coach a game yet, man. That's and he ain't even coach a game yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now I'm not talking about you gotta, again, you gotta I, love, also... I love playing for Coach Kelly. Kelly was a winner, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like Coach Freeman is gonna actually have those dogs ready to go to battle. You and know what I'm saying? You speak talking about ready to go to battle and especially being flat, and we talked about that being the difference. If anything, that Freeman's gonna change is not having the team come out flat, but then you also got to think about Elston. Elston has been a big key in, in Coach Kelly's tenure there, 
but you've directly been in, in Elston's camp during the time you was at Notre Dame. But just talk about his impact because Marcus Freeman's got him calling the defense going into this Oklahoma State game majorly. But what do you think about Coach Elston's impact in this game and just his defensive acumen moving forward? Personally, I love Coach Elston to death. I think he's ready for this. I think okay. I think it's been a long time coming because he's been he's been there since Bobby Diaco was DC. Oh you know man! <laughs> so he had he had Diaco, he had Van Gorder. I mean, take I mean take it for what you want. You can say whatever you like about Van Gorder, but Van Gorder, he ran a he taught people a lot about the game. You know what I'm saying in general and. He he made he made the importance of film study. He made the importance of learning the playbook. He made the importance of knowing what the offense does. He made that important, and that's important, and that's crucial to a player's learning. And I feel like even though that didn't go as planned necessarily for whatever reason, I don't know that that's above me. I was just there doing my job. I felt like, you know, a lot of guys got better from his system. I felt like, you know, you look at guys that have played under him. Matthias Farley is still playing right now. You know what I'm saying? Matthias is great. (laughs) Exactly. Matthias is a great leader. And I felt like, you know, guys that have played under him, you know, say what you want about him, but, like, guys that have played under him have, you know, done good things. You know what I'm saying? So, him, then you go to Elko, you go to Coach Lee, and now Coach Freeman. I feel like he's been a part of every defense that Notre Dame has, you know, all the defensive schemes and stuff like that. I feel like he's a he'll be a great defense coordinator, especially when we play different teams that run different systems. I feel like he will always have an idea. Exactly. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. An idea of, you know, what we need to change if, you know, because like, you know what I'm saying? Like Look at the time we were going three, four against Florida State and how that Florida State had the quarterback run kill us. You know what I'm saying? We can switch to a three, four. You know, I feel like, again, I just feel like he's ready. And just describe describe how Elston has changed as a coach through the years because, you know, I don't think he was the defense. I don't think he necessarily changed. He's always been a great coach. He's always, always related well to players. He's always, you know, especially with the Notre Dame recruitment, I feel like he's played, he's always played a big part in recruiting. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I know sure as hell Coach Elson was the reason I came to Notre Dame. <laughs> that, that was, <laughs> that was, that was who I was talking to all the time. And that's, and if I talked, and if I was to talk to anybody that's still in the staff, it's Coach Elson the most. So, I mean, he plays a big part in, you know, getting that defensive talent there. <laughs> Hey, he's got a resume that's long too. He does. He can, he can definitely he turn around and be like, I got all these NFL guys. Especially a dude that played at Michigan too. You wouldn't expect that. Like you played at <laughs> Michigan. You you expect them like, you know, to like for him to be like as loyal as he is to Notre Dame, like I feel like this this is like huge. Yeah, it's huge. Cause he definitely can uh, <laughs> give us the side eye, especially because Michigan in the playoffs right now. Exactly. And that's his own motto. <laughs> So I do want to ask, too, we talk about a lot about development. And we obviously I know you saw a little bit of Ian Book playing last night. 
But just talk about that. And we put an offense there, the Saints offensive line on the Teddy train. But just explain how hard it is. First game as an O-lineman when you've been switching around in and out, how hard it is on Monday night football to block a playoff type of caliber defense? Well, I can't speak for that because I've never played in a regular season game. But I can tell you one thing, especially hearing that, you know, Ian Book didn't get like the practice live practice reps that, you know, normally that you a QB one would get throughout a week of practice because they had a COVID breakout for, you know, COVID breakout amongst the team and whatnot. So I knew that he was going to have an uphill battle. And, you know, Miami defense is a really good defense. <laughs> complex scheme. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a dude that came from Bill Belichick, the wizard of defense. So, yeah, it's, t- it's tough. You know what I'm saying? And you look at a guy, I was, okay, so I was thinking about, when I, when I was watching this game last night, I couldn't help but think about guys that, like Cam Newton. Everyone's saying that Cam Newton's washed. Everyone's saying that he, you know, you can say whatever you want about him, but look at ever since he got re- first got released from Carolina, Cam Newton has yet to have an offseason. Cam Newton didn't have, you know, the preseason games in a new playbook that, you know, every other quarterback gets. He didn't get the full camp experience, you know, with Carolina this in, this coming season. Obviously, last year with COVID and stuff like that, he didn't get the full preseason experience because we didn't play nobody in the preseason during COVID. So you got to think about stuff like that. And look how – and you can just look, see how much a guy like him has struggled. So you can't expect a guy like Ian Book to go out there and, you know, put up Drew Brees' numbers, Jameis Winston numbers, guys who have actually played the game, guys who have seen what regular season defense is like, the Miami Dolphins, I'm not saying the Miami Dolphins are, you know, the Los Angeles Rams or something like that, but they're a good defense. Good you defense. know what I'm saying? They are a good defense. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, I'm, I'm sure they're top half in the league. So, they get paid you know, you can't dollars. expect, yeah, you can't, you gotta, you gotta rely on other ways other than your quarterback to win you the game. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta, like, like coach Champagne was saying, he just wants this the game to be close at the end of the game. So, you know, we can run whatever we can run. But, like, you know what I'm saying? You can't expect him to go out there and win you the game. You know what I'm saying? You got to rely on guys like Alvin Kamara. You got to rely on your defense. You got to top five defense in the league. You know what I'm saying? They got to they gotta score you some points. Just like Miami scored. That's how Miami put that game around. You know yeah, what I'm saying? For sure. So, you know, he had an uphill battle. It, development is crucial. Them practice reps are crucial. That's the whole point. I mean, you can only do so much film study, but it's different when you're actually out there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And you actually got the live bullets because you're thinking so much faster. It's different when you're just looking at a screen. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not saying you don't see a lot with the screen, but I'm just saying it's different when you actually it's experience it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're actually getting the muscle memory, the reps, the the body experience, all that. You gotta you gotta have it all to go That's out there right. and perform and be top tier at what you do. That's yeah. right. And, and and with that being said, too, we also talk about Harry Heastead. Now, you've been playing D-line so many years at Notre Dame going against that 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 route of all those type of guys we had at Notre Dame on the offensive line. What was it about going against those guys led by Harry Heastead 
that was different than other D linemen, I mean, other O linemen that you faced in your college career? I wouldn't say it was nothing really different. I mean, it was a lot different, actually. I think that's <laughs> But uh, what, and one of the things that actually stick out the most was just how relentless he was. He was a relentless coach. You know what I'm saying? He never let up on his guys. And I'm not going to lie, that kind of intimidated me from making the switch because it was like, yeah, I don't need to go to film on a Sunday after we don't play it on Saturday and Sunday's yeah. my only day off where I get to, you know, actually rest and recuperate my body. But like yeah, them boys he, was actually film he, he was preparing those guys for something greater. And, you know, obviously me being 18 to 22, I wasn't looking at it that way. I was just trying to get through the day. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. So I felt like, you know, preparing those guys for the long haul, the long run, preparing these guys to be relentless and always go out there to compete, you know, the always the aspect of togetherness, you know, the O-line went out together as a unit, you know what I'm saying? They never, you know, how D-line, you know, right, 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 right when the, right when practice is about to start, right when the horn's blowing, the D-line are running in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I was running in, right? When yeah, the O-line, the o are literally out there 15 minutes before practice getting extra work in, you Every know what day. I'm saying? Every day. It didn't matter if it was a Sunday, whatever day it was, they out there, they get out of meetings late and they still get out to practice, get out to practice 15 minutes before everybody else. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I they always, they I, really in their own world during the exactly. season. They, and, they in their own local and, and that was one of the things I've always respected about, because like, it was like, they did something that back when I was in college, I didn't think I could do. So I've always had tremendous respect for those guys and, you know, learning, obviously just watching that had an impact on me because that's just how I address practice every day. I try to be as relentless as I can now. I try to compete and try to get the most I can out of every practice. I mean, I'm not, don't get, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not out there, you know, taking extra reps after practices or whatnot after that. But, you know, I take the weight room seriously. I take meetings seriously. I take, you know, I try to do everything with a relentless, a relentlessness as if Coach Easton was coaching me, you know what I'm saying? Within the hours of me being there, you know, I try to get the most out of my time. So, you know, just just watching the, watching him run that O-line culture from being on the other side of the ball has an impact on me to this day. So, you know, I've always had tremendous respect for those guys. Man, hell yeah. And I think him coming back is going to help us. Is he coming back? Season. I didn't know that. I don't know that. Oh, yeah, you know, he definitely, I mean, Coach Kelly leaving a lot of things and change. I think he felt more comfortable coming back. But I definitely wanted to bring you on, too, to ask you why or what is it going to take for us to win a championship? Why haven't we won it? What's Why can't we get over that hump? Because it's, it's a question that still stands for us to this day. Well, I feel like a lot of us for – whenever we were there we had the injury bug but then we also had we just i don't know <laughs> i really don't know because we had some we had some really talented cats on our team a lot of talented dudes who could really play some ball like 2015 i still believe to this day we were completely healthy i think we would have won a national championship that year um but this year i mean in this day and age of college football, I think it's turning into an arms race, you know, with this whole NIL stuff mm -hmm. and now how much 
kids can get at whatever school they can go to and whatnot like that. So see, Texas is paying people fifty thousand they own line. Would you have went to Texas if you was back then? I mean, think about it. <laughs> think about it. Right, bro, think about it. Think about it. You would you I want you to think about this. this That's I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. You're 18 years old. Now you want to justify your 18. Yeah, duh. You're you're coming out of high school where you rely on your parents for money. And your parents So you're taking the cash. Just tell it straight up. You're taking the cash. Yes. Without a doubt. (laughs) I'm signing the dotted line. So yeah. so you're saying the difference is Notre Dame gotta start signing them checks for us to get over in the arms race. It's not even it's not even really Notre Dame because it's more so the state of Indiana. The state <laughs> of Indiana has because you know how the NIL is state regulated. Okay. State regulated. So the NIL, I guess, with like in Indiana is like I don't know exactly what law or tweak within the law that it is that they have, but like in Indiana, the like the athletes can't really get the big bags that like they get in Alabama, Louisiana, California, you know, places like that. So I think that played a really big part into Kelly leaving. Oh, Me personally. Okay. Because because you know, that's what mm. college football is, that's what college football has turned into because you know, that's that's how guys are learning these kids, you know, with these deals. These it's no longer about the education or the tradition or, you know, the whatever state of your program it's not about that anymore it's like who offering who handing out the most cash <laughs> he's talking about who got the most cash because i mean but like but like i don't blame these kids though because like ncaa is getting millions of dollars off of, off of us playing on tv right. and, you know we ain't seeing none of it you know what i'm saying so like when you wait too long for something that should have been happened to happen is going to happen like this. So now, yeah, kids is going to think money first. Money talks. You know what I'm saying? That's what, and that's what this world is consumed of, people who want money. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we thought, we've been saying that Notre Dame has to get creative. You know, whether it's creating a, creating a trust from an endowment or something, doing something to make itself attractive being a private university to go up and not compete because we talked about this too, right? We put up a list on Monday. Notre Dame is the fourth most talented team uh, amongst the teams in the college football playoff and the New Year's Year's six bowls. Yeah. And Notre Dame only has one five-star in like Alabama and Georgia have like 15 and 16. (laughs) So it's like, it's not – you don't get in the arms race you talked about to get to 15, but you at least have to get to five or six to become more competitive, right? Yeah, and I don't even think it's Notre Dame's fault. I, again, I think it's just that law because, bro, like Notre Dame is like one of the most nationally renowned programs in the country. Right. Everywhere, bro, I am from Rochester, New York. I'm in Rochester, New York, and I barely got because of the fact that I played at Notre Dame. Not because I played at Aquinas, not because I played in the NFL. It's because I played at Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame is loved everywhere. There are people who love Notre Dame everywhere. These kids can get money off of being at Notre Dame in their hometowns. They don't even got to re- really rely on the – just because you're associated. 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just Notre Dame's just like one of those schools, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like now with this new NIL and stuff going on, I feel like Notre Dame will actually start seeing more five stars. Because, you know, there's money, you know, there's money involved. Like, you know what I'm saying? Notre Dame can you can create your own money just by being associated with us. Right. Just go home. Just say, hey, I play at Notre Dame. Go home, go home, go wherever. You know what I'm saying? Like, or just ball out at Notre Dame. They gonna they gonna want to give Notre Dame stars the money. You know what I'm saying? Like think about think about if a guy like Will Fuller was playing during this day and age where you Will Fuller wouldn't even need a first round contract. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm not saying that he needed that, but you know what I'm saying? Like he would have been well off before they even came. That would have been the least of his words. He probably could have retired after Notre Dame. <laughs> Thanks. To be real. Go straight up. Because he was just he was everybody Manti. Another example. Manti yeah, said, yeah, he would have <laughs> ate off the NIL. Yeah. That dude, Lucky Lucky Podcast. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mics with Malik Zaire, the original Lucky Lefty himself. Overtime Malik special guest, Jerron Jones, is joining Man. us right now. And you know how excited as a former player were you from the time that Brian Kelly decided to leave to the time that Marcus Freeman actually became the next head coach in Notre Dame? We saw this swell of support for that movement before it even happened. We saw former players, you know, it didn't matter what era they came from. Like, it seemed like every era of Notre Dame uh, former players were rooting for Marcus Freeman to get the job. You saw the fan base be on one accord, regardless of whether or not they were pro Kelly or anti Kelly. Have you ever felt like Notre Dame has been all in together as a fan base uh, university and former players and current players? Unlike we've ever seen. This is for me, I've been a Notre Dame fan my entire life. This is the first mm-hmm. time that I've felt this type of vibe ever. And does that is that more inviting for you as a former player to be to want to be more involved and get back to campus? Yeah, honestly, it, it is because you know, again, even the guy, even people that was for Kelly, whether you're against Kelly or whatnot, like when that move happened, when Kelly went to LSU, everybody was calling for Coach Freeman. I mean, there were some guys calling for Urban, and I see why. I get it. But, like, you know, this move, I feel like this was the greatest move that Notre Dame has done. And I feel like – I really just feel like Notre Dame just gives him a chance. I really feel like he he may become – I feel like he will be a turning point within this program for, you know, the future, you know, thinking about the future and the next step. You know, you think about all those times, you know, you think about programs like Syracuse basketball or Duke basketball that have had these coaches for a long time. And, you know, you don't know who their next coach is going to be. You don't know who they're going to hire next, but you know, a lot of times they end up hiring within the program. That's what, that's what, that's what this is feeling like. And I feel like it's just going to be like a new era of new magic yeah new 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 beginnings you know i feel like i feel like the sky's the limit for this program and you know especially in the state that kelly left this program because when 
when Notre Dame was what Notre Dame was when Kelly got there, you can say what you want about the man. He turned that program around. He did. Um, you know, <laughs> he did. <laughs> he was a winner. He he yeah. won. When the last time Notre Dame saw a national championship? Yeah, really. I mean, I mean, I mean, say what you want about the result and whatnot, but us going to the national championship, us going to the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we used to, we used to hope for that. We used to hope for a, a ten win season. Right. Ten win season. My question is though, athletes. are you are you taking the money and running, or are you gonna stay loyal to Notre Dame? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> I don't know. He's keeping it a buck, though. He's keeping it a buck. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that because, again, like, say he always been an LSU fan. So, like, can you really? He has been. He always been an LSU fan. I mean, I mean, I mean, it would be my dream to coach my favorite team. That's straight up. You know, you can't. You can like, like that man had his reason, and you know, you can't blame him for that. You really can't. Yeah, you can't because I mean, if I was if I was just always Notre Dame blood through and through, you know, obviously I would stay. But like you know, if I had like growing up, believe it or not, growing up, I actually hated Notre Dame before I went there. I actually grew I actually grew up in Virginia Tech. We, we get the we get the hindsight the hindsight truth hour, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really hated it. I would have never went there. <laughs> no, no, no. The only reason, like, the only reason was because like my dad love Notre Dame and like I used to always just like always want to go against my dad so like when he liked the Falcons I liked the, the team that was the best at that time when I was a kid which was the Rams <laughs> so when my dad liked Notre Dame I liked the next best team I would see on t- that was when Michael Vick was on t- that was when Michael Vick was playing at Virginia right. Tech so I was like yeah I'm, I'm gonna like Virginia Tech and then you know yeah Michael Vick then you had Marcus Vick then you had Sean Lennon you had all those guys like I, I love Virginia Tech during those times yeah Cam Chancellor mm-hmm guys like that so you know if i still felt that way about virginia tech and you know virginia tech offered me a crap ton of money and i know i get it i'm Notre Dame winning his head coach which is i, I you mean know, you done got absolute this. honor <laughs> but you know if i felt if i felt that way as i felt like when i was a kid about virginia tech and virginia tech offered me again a nine-figure salary <laughs> he said nine yeah a lot of zero a lot of zeros, yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go to Blacksburg. You know, <laughs> no, he said all that to be like, hell yeah, I'm taking that money and going. What you talking about? <laughs> all right, Jerron, thanks for joining us today. Before we, before you get out of here, mm-hmm. we're gonna have you play a little game. We call this or that right here. What I guess I'm lucky left the podcast, and. uh I'm going to start it out. I'm interested in seeing how this vote goes because we had three votes for one guy and one vote for another so far. So, who was the best hooper on the yeah, football squad? He can't say, he's going to say himself, Gerard. No, 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 it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Like, like I, as much as I like to think I was good and stuff, I, it was. Like, 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 dog, like, dog, and and like, bro, like the runs at Notre Dame used to be legit. Like, even like with the regular, stu- with the regular students, word like, the runs at Notre Dame used to be like, even though football players weren't allowed technically, there was a a sign on in the locker room that said no basketball. 
we were still playing basketball. And so <laughs> we, and we, used to get at, we used to get after it in Raw. That's right. I would say the best Hooper that I've seen, I have to go Everett. Everett was real good. No, Everett was real good. Everett was tough. Hey, Everett was tough. I said Mike McGlinchey, though, because Everett was a ball hog for real. Hey, McGlinchey. Okay, let me give you my five. See, I told you McGlinchey. Okay, okay. Hey, hey, Jerron, Jerron, before you give give the five, I just want you to know that we had Tory Hunter Jr. on last week. Tory Nice. Tory said, Tory said he used to have Malik on lock. Nah, see, look, now you talking about no. Hey, hey, everybody had Malik on lock. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, Malik, Malik. No, 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 Malik. Malik, wow, Malik, Malik, Malik got great handle on Malik because he's a streaky shooter, but like, I'm you put that pressure on Malik. <laughs> I said you was a streaky shooter. See, I, see, now we got to pull up film. Now we got to pull up film. <laughs> <laughs> nah, okay. My five. My five. All right, Everett Golson. It was nice. It was nice. Tyler Hardy. Corey Robinson. Corey oh. Robinson. Yeah, Corey was. Hey, yo. Hey, Corey <laughs> Corey 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 was nice. I said it's blood though. Hey, Corey was man. Corey would dunk so easy and be like, "Oh yeah, I could just." Windmill, like behind it, like Corey mill. could do all the like, tricks. Like it's nothing. <laughs> I forgot Corey was a Wait awesome. Run, your sound dropped a little bit. Well, who's the last person you said? That's crazy. Who did you, did you hear what he said? Who did he say? McGlinchy. Yes, Mike okay. McGlinchy. Yep, Mike McGlinchy. And my fifth, even though he ain't who. But like I felt like if we hooped a lot more, Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie was nice too. Ronnie was Ronnie. lazy. Ronnie was nice. Ronnie was nice. Ronnie, Ronnie had nice. game. And then my bench, <laughs> my bench, like my guys that like I will put in rotation. Malik. I know I'll I'm go, on there. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. Tory. CJ. CJ is dumb nice. It would either be it would be out of CJ or Chris Fink. Hey, Chris Fink's Fink a little hooper too. Yeah, Fink got hops. A little bit. <laughs> he does. Fox got hops. Fink got hops. Hey, Fink is windmilling. Yeah, Fink got talent yes. for real. Fink got hops. Wow. If they had to make a reboot, they shouldn't have made a reboot of Space Jam. They should have made a reboot of I, White Man Can't Jump. Bro, Fink. I call I call Fink <laughs> the White Spud Web. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. Seriously, Fink was an athlete. I'm telling you. Fink was so, an athlete. So that's what you know. This is the this is how it's breaking down right now. We've had five guests. We got three votes for Mike McGlinchey. We got one vote for Tory and one vote for Ed. Yeah. Who, who voted for Tory? Tory. Tory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Tory. Tory like can Tory. shoot. Tory can always shoot. All right. All right. We're gonna run through this quick. All right. I just had to get that. Favorite place to eat on campus? Eat on campus. On campus or? Okay. In South campus. Bend. No, no. Favorite place to eat in South Bend or the area. Okay, now that's tough. That's tough. Because South Bend do got South Bend do got some eats. Hey, I'll I go Soho. Soho or JJ's? Yeah, Soho or JJ's. Yeah, we hear JJ's a lot. All right. Chocolate chip cookie or oatmeal raisin? Chocolate chip. Yep. 
Jay Z or Nas? Jay Z. Locks or Mob Deep? Locks. Chopped cheese or a slice? You can't go locks against Mob Deep. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about that. That's not fair. You gotta go like locks against like Wu Tang Clan or something like that. <laughs> okay, I'll give not, you that. No, no, no. Because no, if you go just the locks, I mean, you go have to go like locks against like maybe like Ghostface and Raekwon. Oh man, you build now. You got to build a super team to go up against the lock. <laughs> I know, but like, but like I'm saying, like Mob Deep though. <laughs> uh, you can go a tribe called quest true facts yeah definitely facts, or just go hold native tongue against the locks nah straight up chopped cheese or a slice 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 uh he ain't no real new yorker he ain't no real New Yorker. You go with the chopped cheese, really? No, 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 because real New Yorkers, I mean, even though there is chopped cheese, like real New Yorkers get steak sauce. That's what we get. See? He, he's upstate. That, that's that upstate. That's, the, yeah, that's that <laughs> Canada. That's that Canada. You probably get a slice of Canadian ham. Man. You don't even get the bacon. <laughs> yeah, all right. We, we talking about steak. We ain't even, ta- we ain't even, ta- we ain't even talking. About- yeah, we talking about steak, bro. Right. Yeah, straight up. Don's a certified lover boy. Call me when you get lost. <laughs> that's a great. I ain't gonna lie, they both was good albums, but but like there's albums that are out there that that's better than both of them. Oh, facts. Lots of the, uh, little baby or dub baby. Little baby. All right. Nets or Knicks. Who? Nets or Knicks. Now, in terms of winning championship. <laughs> In terms of winning a championship, you go Nets. But like you know, in terms of who you want to see win more, I'll go Knicks. That's fair. Right, I like I like I, I like I like seeing I like seeing happiness at the garden. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can agree you, with you, that. You know. You know, like the Bing Bong videos, like outside of the garden. Like, yeah. I like those. I like those. <laughs> we had man. We actually had a debate on which borough had the best food. And most people, BX. Went, yeah, most people went BX or either Harlem. So, in your opinion, which borough has the best food? Well, I'm bougie, so I'm gonna go Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> he was honest. He's like, yeah, I'm bougie. Yeah. He 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 like, like he like believe, to sit believe, down. No, when I'm in New York, I get I get super bougie for some reason. Yeah, he like that's to just sit the only that's the country. only place that's the only place I be bougie at. Nah, straight up. <laughs> it's crazy because anytime I come in town, I'm like a creature of habit. So I always I think they changed the name. It used to be called the London NYC. I think mm-hmm. they changed the name of it, and I used to come out because I would I would go to sleep and I wouldn't come out until like after eleven. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's when the city is like vibrant. And I will yeah. always go to this spot called the Brooklyn Diner. The Brooklyn Diner. And they Diner. had these wings on the menu called incendiary wings. Man, they were fire. And I would sit there, they give you 12 wings. I would sit there, chill, and some of everybody would just come through. It was the Brooklyn oh, Diner in Manhattan. I'm going to have to go. Like, I right outside of Times Square. Yeah, it's, it's fire. And then I would go to this spot on 45th and 44th and 6th called the Red Flame for breakfast every day. Damn. Oh, I'll go to this place called Sarah Beth. They got this stuffed French toast. Oh, 
Where is it at? It's in, it's in Tribeca. It's called Sarabeth. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to check it back. Hey, I'm telling you, French toast is off the chain. Best French toast I've ever had. Stuffed French toast. Stuffed French toast. Hey, yeah. we better than like, Yelp reviews now. You know I ain't just fat for no reason. <laughs> we got a question from uh, one of our uh, subscribers. He says, Rex Mike says, yo, the best wings in South Bend. Definitely JJ's. It's not JJ's. Shoot. Mm. Where you gonna go? See, like, I, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I like JJ's because of the lemon pepper. They didn't have the best wing. Best wings. I would probably either have to go CJ's. Ooh, CJ do got or... Dang, you really didn't say something when you said that. CJ's or Brothers. Mm. Brothers got better mild wings. But no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Brothers, brothers had good, like actual wings. Mm-hmm. They could have. They could have had way more sauces. I'm just saying, in terms of wings, brothers had good wings. But in, in the whole <laughs> overall experience, I have to go CJ's. CJ's had good flavors and great size wings that were actually cooked well. See, that's a real breakdown right now. I'm. That's all <laughs> we eat up here. That's <laughs> a real breakdown. <laughs> so, man, we're gonna be on the road a lot next season. Like Malik and I have been talking, we're going to be at the Horseshoe. We're taking the show on the road. Okay. Podcast is going to be at the Horseshoe for game one. You you, you still got the connect for the PJ? What's good with it? <laughs> I'll see what we can do. That's right. That's right. That's right. Here we go. Here we go. Exclusive. Exclusive here on the Lucky Lefty. <laughs> Yo, it's been a blast, man. You can officially certify Jerron Jones as a longtime friend of the program right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We appreciate everybody that joined us today. We gave you a little bit of everything. We went through Marcus Freeman's uh, press conference. We talked about the competition, identifying the best players. We talked about the change in the depth chart, uh, the injury to Josh Lug, Ryan Barnes and Prince Colley moving up practicing with the ones and the twos and uh we gave you the uh lucky love what man what you playing right now you what what you playing right now JJ oh you know Malik know what I'm playing yeah I know I know what he's playing I'm gonna hey. get on right after but Malik Malik Malik's been running from me in Madden for about two months JJ oh, oh Malik God. don't want to play nobody in Madden last time I played Malik Malik know what that listen, last time I played listen he, you made him put the stick down hey he talking Malik, about some, oh, hey. I've been, look, my record in Madden that Notre Dame is impeccable. This is like, this, impeccable. This, this, impeccable. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong, this was like Madden, which was this, like Madden like 15. Had the Sean, don't let him, don't let him get you messed up, Sean. 21 zip, 21 nice zip now. in the first quarter. Well, anyway, Malik, Malik, it's Malik been, don't it's want been no a great problems. podcast, Jerome. It's been a great he podcast. He don't want no problems. Malik don't want no problems. Malik, Malik, Malik can use that. I'm a quarterback excuse. I'm gonna throw the ball over all over the field, whatever. Follow, follow but my Twitch channel. I, I play great. I play great defense. Follow Malik my Twitch that. channel. You're gonna love. You're gonna love to see the doves <laughs> I put up on Madden. Yeah, get on Twitch right now. Put it on Twitch right now. I'm gonna get on Twitch. I'm gonna get on Twitch. And I'm gonna show y'all boys. I'm gonna show y'all. Nolan, as far as I said, is right you guys play the show. Nolan, I play the show. 
I, oh, I got the show too. I, yeah. I play the show too. Yeah, I play the show too. So we might have to drop gamer tags in here now. Malik's been running JJ, so I hey, I put it. On my name. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, we got to end on that one. I'm going to put my, my gamer, gamer tag, tag next time. Nope, time. here's my gamer tag. Yeah, Juan Lozado is right. Malik, don't don't duck and play him, Matt, because he got Mayfield as quarterback. You I'm probably, rocking with no, Joe Burrow. I ain't rocking he's riding for Joe. I, he's playing with Joe Burrow all day. There you go. I That's know. my gamer tag. You <laughs> put the gamer tag in there. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Man. This has been fantastic, Jerome. We got to have you back on soon, man. And hopefully, if you get a chance, you get up to the horseshoe, get up to Columbus, we'll have you on the uh, live podcast from the first game in 2022. That's right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Come on, I'll definitely pull up. Hey, everybody, subscribe, share, like. You know what to do. Hit that like button. We give you great content. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. Nobody else rocks Notre Dame football like the Lucky Lefty Podcast. So from Leek Zaire at Overtime Malik, Jerron Jones, Sean Davis at SD2 Mike's bidding you adieu until tomorrow at 9 a.m. Don't forget our end of the year show Thursday, 9 a.m. We'll be right back here with you. We'll give you all of the best for Notre Dame football and culture on Thursday at 9 a.m. See you guys tomorrow, man. Spin it different today. <laughs>